Colleges across the country are holding lavender ceremonies, and now one is finally coming to Columbia. What are lavender ceremonies, and what benefits can they bring? That, and an update on the provost search, and a story about volunteering. Published since 1973. I'll give my life for this cause, and I will die for this cause. This is Chronicle Headlines. It's just, it's way past time that we have recognized the struggles that our queer students have here. Naming people's struggles, um, I think, is very necessary. So recognizing that they had a lot of things to go through to get to this point. That was Matthew Riley, one-stop counselor and advisor of Columbia Pride, an on-campus group. Riley was talking about lavender ceremonies, which were started in 1995 by Dr. Ronnie Sandlow, a Jewish lesbian, after she was denied access to her own child's graduation because of her sexual orientation. She was also inspired to start lavender ceremonies after she heard LGBTQ students say they were miserable at their own schools. To learn more, I have staff reporter Kendall Polidori, who worked on the story in studio. So Kendall, what exactly is a lavender ceremony? Yeah, so a lavender ceremony is um, held during commencement week for graduates. And basically what it is, it's like a separate um, celebration and recognition of LGBTQ students. Um, and at this ceremony, they could receive a certificate um, and they can be... Well, when you say they receive a certificate, does that mean like they're getting their diploma or is that something separate? Yeah, so it's something separate. Um, it's something that specifically recognizes the struggles and as well as the achievements that they've had mm, okay. um, because they are an LGBTQ So then I, I did cut you off there briefly. What may someone find at a lavender ceremony? Yeah, so a lot of the lavender ceremonies, um, they have keynote speakers, um, which I know Dr. Ronnie Sanlo speaks at a lot of different colleges and universities um, across the U.S., but um, some of them could just be um, a prominent figure in the LGBTQ community. Um, a lot of the lavender ceremonies also um, have a reception with food, um, with music, and other stuff just to like celebrate the students mm -hmm. more. Um, well, yeah. you, you just mentioned that Sanlo has spoken at a lot across the country. Mm -hmm. Do you know exactly, if you could ballpark it, how many lavender ceremonies there have been at maybe high schools and colleges? Yeah, so um, right now, I know Dr. Ronnie Sanlo said that um, it's around um, 500 different colleges and universities that celebrate this. Um, and it's also starting to happen at some high schools. I'm not really sure the number of how many high schools participate in this, but it is appearing. So then why is it coming to Columbia now? This was started in 1995. All these colleges and universities are a part of it. So why hasn't it come before? Right. And that's one of the things that I asked um, a lot of the people that I talked to. And everyone that I talked to um, isn't sure why Columbia hasn't had this type of ceremony yet. But um, they were all very surprised that it hasn't happened yet. And, um, yeah. So then looking at Columbia specifically, I know this was announced recently. Do you happen to know when this was announced? I'm not sure the specific date of when the Lavender Ceremony was announced, but I know it was 
fairly recent. So then, I know too many details may not be available, but at Columbia specifically, aside from what generally may happen, do you have any details on what will be happening at our lavender ceremony? Yeah, so um, Columbia's lavender ceremony, um, something they really want to focus on is that the ceremony is really come as you are, as they say, which basically means that, you know, you're celebrating yourself. So if you want to dress up, um, come and dress up. But if you want to wear sweats and be comfortable, then you should do that because it's really celebrating yourself, how you're comfortable with who you are. Um, and also something that they do is they're really trying to get um, alumni to come as well and sign up if, you know, because it's the first one they've had. So if somebody graduated from Columbia and they weren't recognized um, for their achievements as an LGBTQ um, student, they're allowed to do that. And then students that also sign up that are currently here and graduating in May um, can also request to have an ally, which could be um, a friend or someone from their family that could personally give them their cord and then say like a short one minute speech for them on stage just to you know, further recognize them even more. And then um, Columbia will also have a reception with food um, and refreshments. And then I'm not sure what time this will happen during the ceremony, whether it's during it or after the ceremony, but there will be provided a drag show. Hmm. Do we have any other details on the drag show? It's just sometime around there. Do we know if it's in the same place or how long that may be? Um, I'm not sure about the length or what time it will be at, but it is part of the ceremony. So people who are participating in the ceremony or attending um, will also have the option to see the drag show. And was that about the extent of what you're able to figure out about what's going on specifically at Columbia's? Yes. And... It, so spring 2019 students can be in this commencement, so more details will probably come out soon. Does yeah, that... yeah, there should be more details coming out soon. Um, there wasn't, I, I think since this is fairly new, not many people have a lot of information about it, and not a lot of people know about it yet. So hopefully they'll be getting some more information out soon. But this isn't the only example of students like wanting a separate commencement, is that correct? Um, yeah, I believe that's correct. I want to briefly step aside and welcome in Ariana Portolette to the studio, who has previously reported on, if I'm not mistaken, Ariana, was it a black student commencement? Yes. So can you tell us a little more about that and what's kind of happened with it? So it never turned into a full story. I was reporting on it with uh, the former news editor, Tessa Berwicker. Um So we tried looking into it because uh, someone had... I think it was an alum of the college, an alumna, uh, has said that the students were working on something to create a black student uh, ceremony for our graduate mm -hmm. students. Would um, it be kind of similar to the lavender ceremony now? Not, maybe not exactly individual details, but the idea behind it was the same. Yeah, so it was just to commemorate, you know, graduating black students. Um, so we tried looking into that, but it got, uh, it was kind of confusing. I'm not too sure what's going on with it now. I think the Black Student Union that's currently on campus, the student organization, does do something um, separately for Black graduating students, but there's nothing official at the, that the college does. So were you able to speak with any sources for this story? 
So I spoke with the alumna who brought it to our attention that it was happening. Um, she she kind of just helped the students kind of get it started. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, she and she used to work at the college. I can't remember what position. Um, I also spoke to a woman in the Student Diversity and Inclusion Office about um, anything that the college was doing. Um, so, and she kind of just talked about, you know, how, why it's important to have these type of ceremonies at colleges for students. So when we've been talking about the lavender ceremony, it's all been about, you know, showcasing their struggles, highlighting all that stuff that they want to be highlighted. Were you kind of getting the same thing through your reporting from who you talked to for the black student commencement that may or may not be happening, we're not sure yet. Was it just it helped them belong or find a place where they could showcase who they are? Yeah, it just kind of helped them, you know, celebrate a milestone. Um, separate from the end of the year commencement that happens. Um. Just the fact that, I mean, being recognized for that is a big step um, in a good direction, I think. You spoke with Sarah Martin, who is a sophomore acting major, and the person you just heard, and she had a lot of positive things to say about lavender ceremonies. Overall, was the idea well-received? Yeah, so everyone I talked to um, was pretty positive about the ceremony being held. Um, they were very excited about it. Um, basically, everyone that I talked to as well um, was very surprised that Columbia hasn't had a ceremony like this yet. Um, so, you know, they're welcoming it with open arms. The Chronicle editorial board also spoke positively about the upcoming Lavender Ceremony, and you can find that editorial on page 10 of this week's edition or online at ColumbiaChronicle.com. Kendall, before we let you go, I think we should just generally touch on some benefits of this ceremony, because was there anyone against it? Was anyone upset that this was happening? Um, so everyone I spoke to was not upset that it was happening. Um, I, you know, I didn't speak to everyone at Columbia, so there's obviously different opinions about it. Um, but generally, everyone had good feedback towards it, and they were... Because when I read this, or the, that it happened, and I was reading the pitch for the story, it reminded me of a couple columns or something I'd read a while ago where I had seen one or two people be like, oh, wow, you know, why are they doing their own thing, and were a little confused by the concept or maybe skeptical of it. So then to clear that up, what are some of the benefits of having this ceremony? Right, so a ceremony like this um, really benefits people that are part of the LGBTQ community. Um, one of their missions for this ceremony is really to have them be seen and recognize and name the struggles that they go through aside from, you know, being a college student. So graduating college is a major achievement to begin with, and then doing that as somebody that struggles with uh, other things like people in the LGBTQ community do as and, well. Yeah, like all the people who may not support their their choices for whatever right. reason. Uh, Kendall, is there anything else we need to know for your story? Um, no, I believe that's it. Okay, thanks for coming in. That's all for this story, but stay tuned for more. I'd like to welcome in Knox Karen into the studio, a staff reporter who has been working on provost updates. Is is that kind of the best way to put it, Knox? Yeah, sure. Uh, we've had two finalists come to the campus. Uh, the only two finalists left of the of the candidates. So I think the most recent presentation was actually on Fridays or Thursdays. Is that correct? Yes. And. Um, 
So from what you've been getting with the provost updates, where is the college at currently in trying to replace its provost? Um, so we've had two finalists visit. Uh, we've narrowed it down to two from six semifinalists. Um, the first to visit was Lourdes Maria Alvarez. Um, she mm -hmm. visited last week on uh, the 7th. And then um, Marcella David visited today, uh, sorry, Thursday. And, and when we say they visited, they give presentations. And what exactly goes on in those presentations? presentations? I know you were at both. Are they outlining plans they see for the college? Or is it a general meet and greet, like, hey, this person may be the provost? Or, or what does it exactly entail? Sure. So uh, they uh, give presentations, and those consist of a uh, why they chose Columbia, why they're interested in Columbia, mm -hmm. um, what their future plans for higher education involve, and then after their speech, there's a Q&A session in which the faculty and uh, administration and staff can ask questions. And in one second, I'm going to ask you who they are, but I know Dr. Kim said he was interested in having a female provost, or at least potentially, you know, depending how the process worked out, were either of these two candidates female? Yeah, so both finalists are mm. actually female. Okay, so it looks like he, he has a, a pretty decisive goal in mind. And then with that said, what's a little bit of background information on these candidates, or at least something we should know about them? Um, so, uh, Lourdes Maria Alvarez is from, uh, is a, is of two Cuban immigrant mm -hmm. uh, refugees. Um, she was a dean at uh, Bard College. Um, mm -hmm. oh, that's not right. <laughs> so she was a dean at a, uh, a small college in Connecticut. And then uh, Marcella David is uh, was the dean at Florida Agricultural Mechanical University in Florida. That's Florida's historically black college. An uh, agricultural mechanical university. Did, did that question come up about the transition from an agricultural university to an arts college? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, she... Was she, like, <laughs> sidestepping it? Like, it's kind of the same thing. Right, yeah. So uh, Lourdes Maria Alvarez comes from a, a pretty similar college to Columbia, but Marcella David did ha mm -hmm. has had these big university experiences, which is a, a difference between them. And that's not the only difference. They're also very different in uh, personality and leadership style, which Kim said uh, stood out to him, and it stood out in the presentations as well. When we talk about what Kim said, do you happen to remember offhand any remarks he may have made about either candidate? Did did it kind of seem like he was leaning towards one, or was he pretty neutral on both? Yeah, no, he stayed down the middle, but uh, he did say how he did outline how different they were. Mm -hmm. He said that Marcella was uh, more analytical, whereas mm -hmm. Maria Alvarez uh, sort of leads with like a emotional style. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then, in what ways is one more analytical and one's more, you know, kind of leading with emotion, as you said? Well, as an example, uh, Lourdes Maria Alvarez took a year off of school uh, to pursue bicycle racing. Bi bicycle racing? Yes, it was her passion. Did, uh, did she say if she had won anything? Are we hiring a winner provost here, or are they like a second place? Uh, she said she wasn't too good, but she really enjoyed that time mm -hmm. of her life. 
And then the other candidate being more analytical, did Kim give any, or even do they give any reason like on how that is or why they are more analytical? Yes, yeah, so uh, Marcella David is uh, a graduate of engineering and also a graduate of law. Oh. And she taught at Harvard Law School and uh, is a graduate of the University of Michigan School of Law. So that kind of demonstrates. So, so when you say they're, they're very different people, as Kim has said, he really means it. You know, one took a year off to, to bicycle race and the other is teaching at Harvard Law. Although, which one was the bicycle racer again? I keep mixing up these names. Uh, Lourdes Al- Maria Alvarez. And then when we're talking about these candidates and all that stuff, did he happen to mention when we could hear this decision? Yeah, so he said uh, soon, he'd be making a decision soon, and uh, that could mean probably early March. Early March, so, Mm -hmm. okay, soon-ish, but he wouldn't get too much more specific than early March? No, he would not. Okay, so we don't have too much more time, but I just want to wrap up everything we said. So the decision will come in early March, but Kim wouldn't get too specific as if he wanted to get it done at the end of February, just early March is the deadline he gave. Yes, he'd like to get a lot of feedback from faculty, staff, and students first, and he also said he needed some time to think. Does he have any presentations or meetings, at least to your knowledge, scheduled for faculty, meetings, staff type of feedback? No, but there is an online forum where uh, I think that's only open to faculty where they can give their feedback. Okay, and then you have the two candidates left. Both are female. Kim had previously said that he was at least looking for a female provost, that does appear to be the case. Is there anything else we're missing with this story? Is there anything you should add? Um, no. Okay, Knox, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you. Additional reporting for this week's story can be found in this week's print edition, or you can go to ColumbiaChronicle.com. It's Kendall Polidori, a staff reporter here. And Yasmin Chica, staff reporter. And we today we have Miranda Minier, news editor at the Columbia Chronicle, talking about her article, Volunteering 101, Giving Back When There's Not Much to Give. Miranda, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, so I was inspired by the Chicago Volunteer Expo, which is February 24th from 10 to 4 at the Peggy Notebart Nature Museum. Um, when I saw this event, I sort of thought about my own experiences as a college student who's interested in volunteering, and um, I've seen a lot of roadblocks personally because I don't have a lot of time or money to give back to organizations. So I was wondering if other college students had the same experiences when I started looking into this article. Can you tell us what the Chicago Volunteer Expo is and where it is? Um, yeah, so like I mentioned, it's uh, February 24th from 10 to 4 at the Peggy Notebart Nature Museum, which is at the Lincoln Park Zoo. Um, it's really an opportunity for a lot of different uh, volunteer organizations, nonprofits, to gather together. I believe there's about a hundred of them, and um, it's an opportunity for people to come and meet those people face to face and learn more about the organizations and tell them what they're interested in doing and giving back. And it's really just a way to get personal with these nonprofits. Um, what are some of the opportunities that you have seen come up for college students? Yeah, so um, one that was mentioned by Sarah Anderson, who was one of the co-founders of the expo, um, was Cards for Kids, which is an organization that has people gather remotely or in, in groups or individually, and they create 
greeting cards, basically, to send to pediatric patients at hospitals around the world. Um, so it's really just supposed to be like this fun, uplifting thing. It's a really easy thing for college students to do. Um, and really their only rule is you can't write get well soon because some of the kids might not get well soon. But it's just supposed to be cute and fun and uplifting, which is really nice and really sweet. Um, there's also the Lakeview Pantry. I spoke to one of their employees. Um, it's a food pantry on the northwest side. And um, I'm going to take that back. It's a food pantry on the northeast side. And... Um, Really, college students can volunteer some of their time, or they can donate really simple, cheap things like canned goods, and those go straight back to the community in Lakeview, which is really great. Mm -hmm. um, why is volunteering as a college student important? Well, I mean, I think the easy answer is, you know, it's a resume builder. It's an easy way to get something on your resume and get some, like, real-world experience out there. But it's also really, like, morally rewarding, I think. Um, it's a really good way to sort of invest in your community and learn more about walks of life that you might not otherwise know about. For instance, if you're volunteering at a place like the Lakeview Pantry, um, that's you're going to see some people and some experiences that you might not have seen before. So it's a really good way to kind of broaden your worldview. And I don't know, I think it's a good way to get some like ethical brownie points. You're doing some really good stuff, and I think that's great. Um, if you have this information, do you know how long the Chicago Volunteer Expo has been around? Yes, yeah, it was founded in 2013, um, so this is actually the seventh iteration of it. Great, and then for you personally, what were some of the organizations or opportunities that really stood out to you? Um, I mean, I, there were the few that I mentioned, the Lakeview Food Pantry and Cards for Kids, which I think are just really great, easy ways for college students to get involved. Um, there were some others. There was, um, I believe there was one called Art for Life, um, which is an opportunity where college students can um, give things like their graphic design talent or their social media talent. Um, and I think that's another kind of overlooked way to volunteer that a lot of college students don't think about. Things that like we are studying at Columbia, things like graphic design or marketing or social media are skills that these nonprofits can use. Um, so it's not just about like lifting boxes or doing like physical labor or, or like showing up to be the face of a pantry or something. It's about actually using your talents and skills and things that you've worked hard on. And I think that's really important too. So what's the most memorable experience you've had with this organization? With which organization? The volunteer organization. Or like the, at the expo, like what was the most, I worded that so wrong, I'm sorry. I haven't gone to the expo. Oh, you haven't, no. okay. Uh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> what is some of the feedback, if you have gotten any, from people that do volunteer? Yeah, um, so I spoke to one student, Tyler Newman, who is a senior television student here. Um, and he was talking about his experience doing video production work for his church. Um, he is a freelance videographer, and this was a really good way to build his portfolio when he was just starting out. He's been doing it for many years now, and he still finds a way to fit it into his schedule because, according to him, um, if he thinks it's important to give back to these organizations so they can continue to stay afloat, and continue to do the work that they've been doing so they can impact more people like him and sort of spread that seed, which I think is a really beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And would you say that uh, most of the time when people think of volunteering, they think they have to do it, you know, seven days a week, mm -hmm. they have to commit a lot of time. Um, how does something like this really fit into somebody's schedule then? Yeah, I mean, that was really what I was trying to look into with this article, because I think that is the conception for a lot of college students. I know that that's how I saw it going into this. 
Um, but with opportunities like things like Cards for Kids and things where you can, you don't have to go to an orientation session. There are a lot of volunteering things that do make you do that, and that's a bigger time commitment. But there are a lot of things where you can just show up to a one-time event, just commit like four hours on one Saturday, or do something where you're hanging out with friends, creating content for these organizations. Really easy, fun, like low barrier to entry, low effort kinds of things. Um, so it's not all about like the big eight hour shifts that you're not getting paid for and take away from your homework time. It's about these kinds of easier, shorter things that still let you give back without taking away time from your classes or part-time jobs. So you said that Cards for Kids send cards to hospitals all over the world? Yes. Yeah. So are you familiar with any locations specifically? Um, you know, I'm not off the top of my head, but I know that, um, the, the person that I spoke to from Cards for Kids was saying that, um, they accept cards in all different languages. So it's it's really, it has a very broad reach and it's touched in a lot of kids' lives. Great. And would you say that some of these opportunities that the Chicago Volunteer Expo, um, for college students specifically, is it a good way to really network as well and meet people? Absolutely. I mean, um, based off of the conversation I had with Tyler Newman, I mean, he said that this was really a good way to like kickstart his career. It was how he got things rolling for his videography film um freelancing. And so I think that if you look at this as an opportunity to start your career and I mean, they're going to take a volunteer if you're offering your talents and your skills, they will probably accept what you can give them. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it would look, you should look at it as a way to meet people and get experience and broaden your portfolio. I I think that it's a really great way for college students to sort of start the ball rolling on their, on their career. What do you think is the most rewarding part about volunteering? Um, I mean, I think that that's sort of a twofold answer. I think on the one hand, it's seeing your talents being used in a really constructive way. Um, I mean, if you are lending your efforts to something like a women's organization, if you're doing social media for them, you're going to be seeing how that can impact real young girls and how you can help those young women and how you can spread the word and kind of push this nonprofit's agenda and mission statement. Um, So I think that you can see like real world tangible results, which is really nice. Um, with your own talents and art, which I don't think that we get a lot of opportunities to do when we're just starting out. Um, And then I think it's also really nice just to help out, just to give back to the community. I mean, there are so many different cultures and groups in Chicago, and I think that people get caught up a lot in their own neighborhoods. So it's really nice to sort of step outside yourself and sort of try to help out other people in their day-to-day. All right. Well, thank you so much. I believe that's all the time we have. Thank you, Miranda, for talking to us. It was a great, no problem. It was a great piece. Thank you all for tuning in today to this week's episode of Chronicle Headlines. You can check out all these stories and more in our print edition available on campus on our website, ColumbiaChronicle.com, and our additional coverage on social media. We are at CEC Chronicle on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and The Chronicle on Facebook and YouTube. Chronicle Headlines is made possible with the collaboration of the staff of the Columbia Chronicle and WCRX, Chicago's Underground, under the leadership of the chair of the Communication Department of Columbia College Chicago, Suzanne McBride. Chronicle Headlines is produced by Blaise Mesa, Kendo Polidori, and Yasmin Shika. I'll see you all next week.